Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Um, and welcome to the Untitled Art Podcast presented by Artsy. This afternoon, I have the great pleasure of speaking with three gallerists who are represented at the fair. Um, Julien Cadet, Richard Hi. Beaver, and Ikshan Adams. Hi. Um, all coming from uh, different geographic and cultural context. Julien from France, Richard from bed New York, and uh, Ikshan Adams from... Cape Town, South Africa. So thank you for joining us this afternoon. We are very excited to hear about uh, your galleries, your programs, and also your context and, you know, where, uh, obviously, the artists you work with, but also where you're located and what's happening, you know? Um, because I know that each of you are both responding to a local situation and bringing artists into a global conversation as well. So because you straddle both those kinds of um, uh, dimensions, um, it would be really great if we could maybe just start with you kind of introducing, you know, your gallery, where you started, how you started, um, some of the artists, uh, and then maybe we could also talk about um, uh, like a, just a brief little kind of background about you know, who you are and what shaped the gallery that you became. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that you've played many roles, some of you in the arts as well. And so I think it would be just really exciting to hear what formed you, you know, as, as, a, as a gallerist. And then um, maybe we'll talk a little bit also about the artists that you have at the fair this year and what this means having come out of a two-year period where we haven't been able to gather like this we haven't been able to share um our uh, you know artists in such a with such a wide audience um because that's such a big part of um an artist's career is to have this kind of visibility and 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 understanding of their work um, so, yeah, maybe Ikshan, would you like to start things off by just telling us a little bit about you and, um, you know, you, you have a very interesting and, and varied background too, having been both a gallerist as well as um, doing, you know, a consultation with galleries and independent projects that are really focused on younger and emerging artists. Okay, yeah. Hi guys, uh, I'm Ikshan Martin. I'm based, <coughs> uh, based in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, I've been working in the industry for about 17 years now. I initially started with galleries and at a point through my career became a gallery director of two amazing spaces in Cape Town. The last two years I've started my consultancy where I, I still work for galleries but I've got a more of a focus towards emerging artists. So in Cape Town with the gallery, uh, What If The World, that we are at uh, booth A4 at the fair. We are also working with a young artist, a 30-year-old artist, Tenjwa Latuli, and that's kind of my passion. I really enjoy working with younger artists. I enjoy giving them advice, seeing how they grow. We, during the pandemic, I mean, I don't know how the pandemic's affected the rest of the world, but in South Africa, like, everything shut down. The borders only opened a month and a half ago, and it's shut again down, like, a couple of days ago 
So I really had a focus on working with artists. So it was we, with the city of Cape Town and with projects that I'm doing, we do workshops with artists. We try to encourage growth within the art community and also a peer network. And the peer network has almost grown more than before because the world is no longer there. We don't have the internationals coming through. We don't have a lot of the artists that could do art fairs. This is one of the, the first fairs that we've, uh, that we've done. So what I'm doing right now, using my skill set, working with galleries, working with artists, and really just pushing forward, trying to grow the network. And what this art fair has shown me and also the rest of Miami is that the world is ready. You know, the world is ready for us to come back. The world is ready to see art and for the community to come back together, not just the local community, but the international community as well. Thank you. Thank you for that perspective. Richard, do you want to jump in and tell us about you and Brooklyn and where you began and where you're at right now? Uh, good afternoon. So my name is Richard Beavers. I am the founder of Richard Beavers Gallery that was established in 2007. Uh, my early introduction uh, came through my mother taking me out to galleries when I was in my early teens. Uh, there was a gallery called Savako Gallery that was in Manhattan. And the first time my mother took me to that gallery, which was owned by two women from the Caribbean, uh, it was really the first time I had ever seen artwork that was created by artists of color. Uh, prior to that, my experience was going to museums and not understanding at the time that there just wasn't anything that I related to or identified with because I didn't see any imagery that was reflective of who I was. Uh, and I came home from a trip, a class trip, and my mother asked me, you know, how did I like the museum? and I didn't have really too many good things to say about it. So she took me to this gallery called Sabaco Gallery and it changed my life. Uh, I saw a painting by an artist named Leroy Campbell. It was of a man sitting on a brownstone step playing a saxophone. And as a kid, I always wanted to play a saxophone and I was from Brooklyn and the brownstone was what I was accustomed to. So that changed the whole trajectory of my life at that point, even though I didn't know it. Um, years later, I started off selling posters on 14th Street, Union Square. Uh, I sold $10 posters. I would get up on the weekends and drive to Union Square and set up. Uh, and that began to introduce me to the business aspect of the art world. Uh, for me, it was just uh, wanting to give artists uh, a voice and a platform that were telling the stories of the things that I was seeing on a daily basis within my community that wasn't being presented or represented through art. Uh, so I graduated from selling posters. I started traveling around the country and doing art shows. At the time, I was working at MTV, and I would use my vacation time. I would use my sick days. And those were the times that I would use the opportunity to travel. Uh, years later, I was fortunate enough to open up a gallery in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, which was in 2007. And the same thing, I wanted to bring art to a community that was underserved, and I wanted to play a vital role in the re revitalization of that community through arts. Uh, I use art as a means of communicating um, and addressing many of these very socio-political issues that exist in society today, but also making more art more accessible you know, to young people in the community uh, and also creating a platform for artists of color uh, that haven't been given these opportunities to be able to exhibit their work, but also being able to nurture, uh, develop them, uh, mentorship, and provide the resources so that they can have an opportunity to express themselves visually. 
the community has received the, the gallery uh, tremendously. Uh, we've been there for 14 years. Uh, but most importantly, too, is that we do a lot of community outreach initiatives. Uh, we do art, art classes for kids uh, to expose young people such as myself to art, you know, and the, the potential of the uh, options that exist, you know, through the world of art and using it to raise their self-esteem uh, and also to bring more awareness uh, to the community. Um, we've also, a lot of artists that I've worked with, uh, I was Nathaniel Mary Quinn's first dealer. Uh, I've given opportunities to a number of artists who have gone on uh, to kind of work with blue chip galleries and are internationally known now. Uh, so that's really important. And in particular, we uh, work with a lot of uh, female artists of color. And as we know, with the percentage, percentages exist in the art world, not only how difficult it is for artists of color, but in particular female artists of color, uh, and the importance because there's just so many phenomenally uh, talented uh, female artists of color that are out there. There's a lot more, but and, I'll, I'll, well, I'll sum it up Well, and you're showing there. some of the phenomenal um, work in your booth at the fair, uh, where we had Phyllis Stevens um, here on the panel on Monday, one of the artists, and her quilts that she's been making for 30 years, you know, more than 30 years. Um, what was just, it was just so amazing to see her both at the fair, uh, at Untitled, as well as at Art Basel too. And, you know, just an incredible accomplishment and, um, and it was just so wonderful speaking to her. And um, a very different context, uh, obviously, for your program too. Um, Julien, shall we jump to Paris, to France, and you, do you want to tell us how you went from uh, being an engineer in aerospace technology to a gallerist in, uh, in France? Hi, uh, everybody. Um, yeah, so the gallery is based in Paris, and um, I've never wanted to be a gallerist. <laughs> I, I used to be a mathematician, and, uh, but I was... Uh, I've been a passionate and I was buying art and collecting as much as I could. And I realized that I was a little bit frustrated that many artists from my generation, uh, whose work we love, uh, were not represented in France, not at all. And then instead of waiting to see this gallery happen, uh, we just, I mean, I say we because I've got a partner, but uh, yeah, I decided to quit my job and to to open the gallery I wanted to see in Paris. The gallery is three years old, and basically most of the artists are uh, from my generation, like 10 years younger or older. And so far, like three years after, it's not really true. But this is how we started, that we thought that there was something to do with this generation and a multicultural uh, context and a global context with many artists that we wanted to show in Paris. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you. And a question that I often get as a curator is, you know, how do you find the artists that you work with or that you exhibit or that you write articles about? You know, I get that question a lot. And of course, it's my job to know <laughs> a lot about artists and to do a lot of research and to see a lot of art. And so um, I'm curious to ask that question of you in terms of, you know, um, uh, like you were saying, Juliette, that 
a lot of the artists were artists who you were following and who you thought were amazing, but you weren't necessarily seeing them represented in the galleries. And that was how you created your program around that, you know? Um, and then, and, and so I'm, I think that, you know, if, if you could just sort of reflect on um, what is your process of, you know, learning, seeing, researching, engaging, and uh, inviting artists to either participate, even if it's a group show and eventually maybe a solo and representing, but I think people, uh, you know, would like to maybe know, like demystify a little bit how, I always feel that art is everywhere around us and even if we're reading a newspaper or a magazine or online or, we, you know, yes, there's galleries and museums, etc. but there's so many ways that people can and are introduced to art or discover art. You've all given different examples of that too. So maybe we could just unpack that a little bit in terms of, you know... Um, for me, yeah, it's a little bit special, like, as I said, um most of the artists were already known and were already showing in other galleries abroad. And I discovered some of them uh, seeing the galleries in the United States or going to art fairs. And I just realized that they did not have a gallery in France. But then also, um, we, we don't want to be just a mashup of the, all the galleries we like. We also wanted to have our own identity. And it's true that uh, Instagram and internet helps a lot. So we discovered a lot of, a lot of artists through uh, internet. But then we also went to New York and to London to visit the studios uh, because nothing replaces the studio visit. Sometimes on the internet it's very uh, appealing and it's very clean. And you could be disappointed in real and sometimes it's the opposite. So each time we find something good on the internet, we try to get in touch. And then we try to go there to visit the artists and to learn more about the practice. And so, yeah, it's a mix of artists who were already known and who had galleries abroad and a mix of new artists. For example, um, the artist who's showing uh, at Untitled, uh, Sydney Colby, she had her first solo show ever with us in Paris. So it was one of the artists like we really tried to support from the really beginning. And, uh, and we for example, we discovered her work uh, in a, there was a, an auction, a charity, uh, and she had a couple of works on paper uh, in the PDF of, of the auction. Uh, and yeah, this is how we found her. And then we get in touch with her, and it's been like two and a half years we're talking, and she had her first solo show at the gallery in Paris uh, in 2020. That's great, and thank you for sharing that with us because it really unpacks that it takes time and that it's seeing something but it's also understanding it and it's also developing a relationship and figuring out how you could work together and support that artist and what their specific needs might be at that time. Richard, do you want to share with us? Um, I, I would say that uh, as far as I go in the program, uh, we, we've done it in very non-traditional ways. Uh, I've had artists walk into the gallery. Uh, I'll use Genesis Tremaine as an example. Um, I met Genesis Tremaine 10 years ago, and she walked into the gallery and introduced herself to me. And then we were reconnected, uh, and she showed me maybe three or four examples of her work, and I just knew immediately, you know, the distinctiveness, the aspect of her work, um, the narrative around the work. 
uh, and that's how we began working together. Uh, there's another artist that I work with, Marcus Jansen, that's here. Um, he took out a, an ad in the Source magazine, and it was a little small image of one of his works, and this was 20 years ago, and I looked at that particular image, and I knew right away. Um, Instagram is another way that I've been able to, I guess, discover artists. Um, there's a museum called uh, Mokata Museum in Brooklyn. Sometimes they have a, um, a vinyl window display exhibition, and that's how I discovered Nathaniel Mary Quinn. Um, it's just, I, I don't know, it's just this innate ability that I have as soon as I see the work. There's an energy that you know emanates from it, uh, and the unique and distinctive aspect in how this artist is uh, expressing themselves. Uh, and there's a soul, and there's an energy, and there's a spirit that certain artists that you can't teach that they're able to transfer into their work, and it just kind of just jumps off of you know whatever the process of medium that they're using. Uh, you know, I, I also invest in people. You know, I have extensive conversations with the artists. Uh, I want to know as much about them as I possibly can. I want to know what their connection to their community, to their family, um, you know, what is the real inspiration and motivation behind their work? Is there a purpose larger than just saying, you know, I want to be a famous artist and I want to make a lot of money? Uh, you know, uh, is this driven by a cause that is just bigger than uh, with these superficial aspects of a lot of times and what the art world has become. Uh, do they have a commitment to community? Uh, you know, so those are things that, that are really important to me. Um, and for me, I really invest in people, you know, because if I can believe in the person, uh, then I can give 110%. Thank you. Ikhshan, do you want to tell us a little bit um, about? I mean, I fully agree with you. I always say that uh, the artist is more important than the artwork. and. In, in South Africa, what I do is maybe also not non-traditional where I really go out. I'm out all the time. And uh, with the city of Cape Town, we do an, an emerging artist program where we facilitate workshops and oh, oh, um, we facilitate mentoring workshops and oh, closer. OK, uh, we facilitate mentoring workshops with the artists, uh, networking workshops, uh, pricing, all types of different things. but installation workshops and there's a couple of studios within Cape Town where one of the studios that I often go to is called Greatmore Studios. It's a non-for-profit that offers affordable studio space within the city and what we encourage through Greatmore is the peer network where we get artists to come on board or we try to activate the space as often as possible and in that way as I'm interacting with the artist and also something maybe it's a South African thing like the Ubuntu part that we one community there was people that helped me when I was younger. I would not be in the industry if there weren't particular people that put the time out to help me, and I feel that I have to give that back. So when I speak to artists and they tell me about their work, I'm, I normally see the artist before I see the art. And then after seeing the art, I can kind of, my advice or how I can help them is, I always tell them I'm just trying to save a couple of years of your life. You know, I just don't want you to make certain mistakes or do things the wrong way. I just want you to do it a bit quicker. And an example, this year during the pandemic, an exhibition I curated three months ago, uh, 40 Artists Under 40, where we looked at South Africa, but we were actually looking at the continent. So 
with South Africa, there's artists from all over Af Africa, from Nigeria, Zimbabwe, Malawi, Namibia, they, they're all based in South Africa. And we did an exhibition, and one of the conditions that I had was at least a quarter cannot be represented. You know, like, cause just, to, just because you're not represented doesn't mean you're a bad artist. You know, it's just you haven't had that opportunity yet. And after that exhibition, I think almost all of the unrepresented artists now have exhibition shows coming up, art fairs coming up, because it's just about getting that platform. And we don't have enough platforms. So finding the artists, to me, it's working with them and trying to create that, that platform as well. It's, it's like giving that first chance, you know, giving that first opportunity, but also making sure that they are prepared for that when it comes um, and grooming artists for that. So this all sounds like a lot of fun. Like this is the fun stuff, seeing the artists, talking to artists, doing studio visits, traveling, being at art fairs. What are some of the more challenging aspects of running a gallery? <laughs> or is it all fun? I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough business to be in. And, you know, we're speaking about the relationships, we're speaking about human beings, and that, it, that takes a lot of work to be in constant communication, not only with artists, but with the communities that you're also engaged in, as well as with the collectors who are supporting your program, as well as with curators and writers. So that's a lot of, you know, communication. And, We've just been through this challenging two years where everything, everyone went online. And so, you know, how did, how, I mean, how did each of you kind of pivot, you know, and, um, uh, you know, take up this challenge that the pandemic kind of threw down, which is maybe for greater connection and greater support and, you know, more slowing down and more attention to that. But, you know, I, I, I also think it's important for people to understand what the challenges are, too, of running a business and being in the art world and, you know, having to communicate with so many people to build an artist's career over time that we often, you know, forget that this takes time. It takes many years. Um, and so, you know, just anyone can jump in or, you know, you can speak to each other, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with, with the pandemic, it was really about adapting, I think. Everybody had to adapt in their own uh, unique way. I, I, uh, while we couldn't have exhibitions, you know, Cape Town's lockdowns were really hard. I ended up, you know, almost every day having artwork in my car and driving to clients' homes, like, like a traveling salesman, you know? Like, I wasn't in the gallery. I was actually taking the works to the clients. I was actually spending more time in studios as well and working with artists because I didn't have the distractions of the gallery during the pandemic. And I actually feel that during the last two years, I probably did spend more time with artists than what I did with clients. But coming back here and seeing that the world's opened up again, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's changed. Um, yeah, I, I quit a job which was um, very strict and very serious. And I'm now working with artists. And so far, we've been very lucky that all of them are very nice. We've got an amazing relationship. So it really sounds like it's all fun. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, maybe the, the most difficult part is running a business. Maybe not especially a gallery, but running a business in France. Uh, yeah, it's very slow, a lot of administration, a lot of things. So this might be the part that I like, the le uh, like less. 
but working with artists so far has been yeah, really cool and great. Um, I, I would have to say that I truly enjoy and love every aspect of, of what I do. You know, this is, this is my passion. Um, I've been doing it for 20 plus years. Uh, the key is perseverance. Um, and, you know, with the, with the pandemic and being creative and rethinking a business model structure, uh, obviously we're a lot more dependent on, on technology uh, and making usage of social media, um, having direct contact with your clients, you know, through, through their cell phones and text messaging. You know, with the pandemic, you were actually able to capture more people's attention you know, because they didn't have all of the other distractions, you know, the world basically pressed pause. Uh, so it was, business-wise, it was a really good time for us. Uh, we were able to, to make a lot of progress. Um, I would say the challenging aspect of it is just the amount of time and work and effort that goes into it. You know, there's so much that takes place behind the scenes to be able to pull something together like doing a fair. Um, you know, and working hands-on with artists and nurturing and developing and then bringing them along. Uh, but I, I truly, really enjoy, you know, um, all of the gratification that comes out of it, you know, and knowing that, you know, you put so much of your life into this and to just see the end result and to see the opportunities that you've been able to create for these artists uh, and then the joy that collectors or, you know, those who are appreciators from art, what they derive from having the art. And the impact that you've been, I've been able to make in the community amongst young people, uh, you know. So it is hard work. Uh, it is a lot of uh, time and, and dedication that you have to commit to it, but it's also rewarding. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. And tell us about the artists you brought to Miami, the artists who are at Untitled. Tell us a little bit about them, and you know what was really important for you in bringing um, the artists to this audience and uh, and to the fair um, we wanted to apply with a, a solo booth um, because for me like it's really the the best way to to discover an artist is to see many works of him or of her in case of her uh, and so, yeah, we really wanted to make a solo booth and we're, we've been working with uh, Sidney Colby, who's from the Bahamas. And we thought that the proximity with the, the Bahamas with the Miami would be very consistent uh, to show her work here. And that's how we chose her. And that's how we decided that we'd do a solo, a solo show with her. And yeah, about the work, she's uh, talking about something very traditional from the Bahamas like with all the folklore, traditional folklore, and she used to live in a very large family, and she, she wanted to make a very grateful uh, work, which involves all the relatives, and, and also some traditional things from the Bahamas, like she's pasting pieces of photographs of her on the works, uh, on the portraits of the people, and it's also a way to get in communication with the dead people of the family beyond death, and all these, I mean, she had many things to say, and on all the form, it's also very colorful and very seductive. So we thought that she would have everything to fit the, the, the fair and the... Yeah. 
Well, I, again, this attention to context, to who the artist is, you know, where they're coming from and where you are, where the gallery is located at any given moment in time. I see this as something kind of common coming, you know, weaving its way through uh, our, our discussion today. Um, Richard, you have a, dif a different uh, booth where you have a group presentation of your, some of the artists in your work. Can you tell us about them and what guided your selections for the fair? So, so for our presentation during Untitled, um, the thinking behind it was to, um, we, we presented five artists who were represented through the gallery, but it was the um, figuration through the various uh, forms um, of, of styles and mediums. Uh, so we have Marcus Jansen, who is an abstract expressionistic artist. Uh, his work is very socio-politically charged, uh, which is extremely prevalent in the society that we're in today. And many of these really socio-political issues that are in the forefront of what we're dealing with on a daily basis. Uh, so his work is, is extremely important because it, it brings to question for us to critically think about these things that are taking place in society that a lot of times that maybe we're not having conversations around, but we can address it through art. And often people are more comfortable with the beginning of those conversations through art when we're dealing with race, we're dealing with poverty, we're dealing with discrimination, uh, we're dealing with global issues. Uh, you know, so that's the important aspect of Marcus Jansen's work. Uh, then we have Phyllis Stevens, who's a fifth-generation quilt artist. She's 65 years old, and she's using fabric to express herself. And she's a narrative artist. Um, uh, she uses sustainable fabrics, so that was another form of figuration that we used in having her work there. Uh, then we have uh, Lynthia Edwards, who's a collage artist, and she's the youngest artist that we represent. Uh, she uses all of her own source materials, but she takes photos of her hands, her body parts, uh, children in the community, and she's telling her story as a young black girl who grew up in the rural South, who came from a Pentecostal home, and her father was a preacher. Uh, then we have Xavier Daniels, who is a combination of portraiture and abstraction. And his work um, speaks to the fraternal bond and, that exists amongst black men as a brotherhood, but it also deals with mental illness and how mental illness is so prevalent within the black community, especially amongst black men, uh, and how black men are so hesitant, uh, or, or in many instances don't even maybe have the access uh, because of the inequalities that exist in the medical field. Um, uh, that's Xavier Daniels. Uh, and then the fifth artist is Alexis McGrigg. And Alexis McGrigg is an abstract artist, and her work deals with black bodies and them not being confined and them being able to travel and exist in our own spaces culturally and uh, aesthetically how we want to. But it also, also speaks to the celestial aspect uh, of our cultural tra traditions and spiritually how we're all connected. So for us, it was to bring these different, you know, creative forms and how these artists are approaching, um, you know, their practice, but they're doing it through a multitude of expressions and styles, but it still is all figurative, but it can also be figurative in an abstract way. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah, looks really amazing. 
And um, Ikshan, you also have a solo presentation of an artist. Can you tell us more about that? Uh, yeah, we have the a solo presentation of uh, Stenjo Alatuli. He's an artist from South Africa. He's from Durban, uh, KwaZulu-Natal. He's a young artist. He's 30 years old, self-taught as well. And a big part of his artwork is the what gets passed on generationally, like from 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 his grand from his father, grandparents, and going on. And uh, Stenjo is from Durban, so with, within the the Zulu culture, wood carving is always has always been used, and it's always been a part of the culture, as well as the vibrant colours that he uses has always been within the the beadwork that is used within the traditional what the females would would, would wear. And he's incorporated that into his artwork. So Sendra has a painstaking process where he does these wood carvings, and the wood carvings are 2.8 meters by 1.8 meters. They they're not small. And for the for this particular preparing for this exhibition with Sendra, I did I gave him a call and I asked him, you know, being a gallerist, sometimes you just don't think. And I asked him, could I get an assistant to possibly help you, you know, with the carvings? And he told me, but if it's not my hand, it's not my artwork, you know, and I was like, I, I appreciate that, and, and Senjua really pushed to get the works ready in time, but that is, you know, about his work, he says that it's, it's not just about his culture, you know, it's, it's his artwork, it's his hand, it's his life that he's putting into that work, and the work itself, it has headless figures, and everybody's been asking me about the headless figures, and for Senjua, the headless figures, it represents an unknown space, it's where his ancestors that knowledge that has been passed on generationally and that it doesn't get lost. So it's not just current Zulu people that are in the image, but as well as the ancestors within the works. Yeah, and I mean... And you see that duration of time also in mm. the wood carvings because every mark is also marking a moment in time. Yeah. And, you know, that they are so large means they take a very long time. And so it also is speaking metaphorically and I think symbolically to generational time yes. as well, yeah. so that his presence is, becomes part of the work as yeah. well. Yeah, amazing, great. Um, so it's been a very long week. It's Friday afternoon. Happy Friday, everyone. And there's one more day left for the fair. But what have you know? What have been some of your kind of highlights of the week? How do you feel people have responded to your artists and to your programs? Um, you know, how have you kind of, uh, it's, it's a very intense and demanding, you know, seven days, but what are some of your, you know, just highlights and some of the things that you feel really happy and proud and excited about? Uh, just being here, like that's the <laughs> highlight, like getting to like the last art fair I worked was, I think a year and eight months ago, last year, February, and the fact that I can be back out here and you know, there's so many people interact with the works online and the fact that they can see it now in person, that they can see the texture. And I just think it's, a, it's amazing to see the community back together. Like, that's the biggest highlight, you know. I'm sure that some people have done well financially and we've made sales. And, but I think more than, more than the sales, it's really just seeing the community back again, seeing us creating. Because the industry, it's not just us. Like, it's really the artists. Like, everybody that, we, that we're working towards is, like, to benefit them and... I just feel it's great to see the to see it back again. Yeah. Thank you. Um, to to build off of what you said, the highlight for me is just the energy, you know, to be able to hug, to see smiles, um, and just the the universal love, you know. And and this is really what art is about: is how it brings people together from all different walks of life, and we're literally here and we're feeling as one. Um, 
I guess, finance, from a business standpoint, um, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, an entire booth sold out on preview day. You know, so we're really thankful for that. Yeah, extremely thankful for that. Uh, we also were able to have uh, a group of young teens uh, from a juvenile detention center. Were they wearing the blue t-shirts? Yes. Because I saw the, a yes. group of young people at your booth with blue t-shirts. Yes, we were able to partner with Youth Concept Gallery and um, Untitled, and we gave access to 20 youth from the juvenile detention center to come out and they were given a curator tour of the exhibition and then um, i was able to connect with one of the owners of red rooster and we were able to get them to have taken over the red rooster and they were able to give them free lunch you know so for me that's really what this is about mm -hmm. is um how can we make a difference in other people's lives mm -hmm. uh how can we expose young people outside of the confines of what they know and to give them some hope uh, and to give them this experience because there were a lot of kids that came from the neighborhood that I came from that never had access to this. And um, thankful for my mother and in introducing me to this world and look where I am. Thank you, Richard. I think it speaks to you know the power of art and the power of the pe of people who make it happen at every level. You know, we want the success, we want the excellence, but we also want to speak to everyone and everything in between. And I think it's, you know, it's so amazing that we can have all of that existing together at, a, at an art fair, you know? Um, and I think the wonderful thing about art, I, I you know, have a friend who always, an artist always says, it's like you can ride the elevator. You can go to the penthouse floor, you can go to the 20th floor, you can go to the 10th floor, you can go to the lower, to the basement, you know? And you are able to communicate with people no matter at which level you are at. And that, that's the power and the beauty of art, you know? So we, uh, we appreciate your words and your work. Julien, what um, has been the highlight for you of this week? After you two guys, because <laughs> you said it all. <laughs> um, uh, for me, the highlight, yeah, was um, everything was great. It's my first time in Miami. It's also the first fair. Uh, it was the first fair for us and for Sydney. Uh, I'm, it looks like uh, COVID does not exist here. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't go into that. But <laughs> yes, so we've all I'm, noticed. I'm that. very grateful <laughs> of all the smiles we've had so far, and every the first day was very packed, and everybody was so happy to see art uh, again in real life. And also, I'm very happy for Sydney because the show is sold out too, so it's great for her. Um, yeah, and we've, we've had a good time in Miami. We made so many contacts. Uh, many people were already bought at the gallery, but we met in real for the first time. And also a lot of new collectors. Uh, we had so many people and so much demand that we could even uh, work on the placement. So we did a very great work placement. So it's been all going very, very good here now. Yeah, thankful to, yeah, and to Untitled and uh, the fair. Well, thank you all so much. Um, you know, and thank you also. I think, I think maybe people see galleries as, um, 
you know, in, in a sort of maybe in a different world or ether, but I have to say as a curator, my experience with galleries has always been quite positive and uh, it's very important for us to work with the representatives of artists. And so, um, you know, when I was an independent curator before I was at a museum, you know, for many years, often galleries were quite generous with me about loaning artworks for my exhibitions, um, about facilitating, um, you know, various objects that may be available, may not be available. And I, I you know, that there's also that sort of connecting and facilitating roles that galleries as the representatives of artists play, um, you know, uh, with curators and with museums and with not-for-profits and even, you know, publications. So I just want to thank you for being open and approachable and for facilitating, you know, all this um, uh, interaction between the whole community of people who make up the arts in the art world and for being approachable to visitors at the fair uh, from you know every kind of walk of life and stripe uh, as well as doing professional business at the fair too you know so thank you so much for sharing with us for being here this afternoon and for participating in the untitled art podcast presented by artsy and thank you to our audience. Thank you. Thank you for um, having us. Thank, thank you, for you coming. so much.